Welcome to the Paragirl Podcast. This is Jerry Pitney. Today, I'm joined by Alexander LaFoon. Alexander, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on here. So you recently uh, did something that my guess is none of our listeners have done, and that is you chose uh, with a friend of yours, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was his name? Trevor Thomas. Trevor, yeah. So you and Trevor, who's also a Paragirl boy, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So y'all decided to hike the Pacific Crest Trail which I looked up on Wikipedia, is 2,653 miles. And it ranges from the path from the Mexican border to the Canadian border. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you guys decide, like, let's, you know, what else is there to do? Let's just go hike this trail. My first question is, why <laughs> did you do this? Yeah, that, that's a, a really good question, honestly. Um, I would say starting off like since 2019 um that was whenever i first went on a road trip with uh me trevor and my friend caden um from that point like we've really made it a priority to travel to see new places to have new experiences um just whenever the opportunity came up and so I would say like a year after that, maybe Trevor sent me this video series um, of a woman on YouTube that had actually hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm. Uh, her name's Alina Osborne, and she put out like a, an incredible just video series documenting her journey. And um, that's kind of what inspired me and Trevor to uh, to consider this adventure, because like prior to that, we didn't have any any knowledge of the trail or anything like that. But w we saw the video and we're like, yeah, we'll do that someday. Um and as I mentioned in one of my one of my YouTube videos, a lot of times like someday never happens. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we really thought about it since last summer. We we seriously considered uh, starting the trail, doing the journey. And with me graduating college this year um, and Trevor having a flexibility in his job, uh, we had just had the opportunity to go for it. And. The biggest reason it, that we did it is just because, like, we love the adventure. We love mm. seeing new places, um, traveling, and it was really just uh, a good way to get a break from, like, regular life as chaotic and, and stressful as it gets sometimes. Yeah. So how long was the trip planned for? Like, whenever, from the time you took off, you left, uh, I guess, in Memphis, landed in San Diego. Is that right? Yes. How long did you plan to be gone for? Um, I planned for about four to five months. Wow. But then again, you never know, like, is something going to come up during the trip? Am I going to get injured or hurt and have to come back sooner? So, so best case scenario, we had planned for about four to five months. What made you decide to go with this trail specifically? Was it just the beauty of, like, knowing that part of Because you're going through, like, rivers, desert, right? Mountains, yeah. all that? Starts in the desert, um, goes through the Sierra Nevada mountains in central California, um, goes through, like, passes all kinds of lakes and like crater lake and stuff like that in Oregon. And then you get into the, like the, the cascades in Washington. But yeah, the reason we picked that one as opposed to like the, the Appalachian trail, for example, mm -hmm. is just because the, the scenery on the Pacific crest trail is so much different than um, anything we have around here. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like the Appalachian trail, although I'm sure it would have been an incredible experience would have uh, the environment would have been similar to what I'm already used to. Yep. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So you started, you said, when did you start thinking about it? Was it last summer? Yeah, last summer. Okay. And like, in it, were you, what was the biggest obstacle, I guess? Like, what were some of the things that you're like, I don't know? Like, was it, because in my mind, I'm like, 
there's a lot of reasons I'd be like, I don't know about this. Um, I'm curious, like in your mind, what were some of your biggest fears or hesitancies around taking the trip? Yeah. So, uh, one of the biggest things was just like, what is my family going to think whenever I tell them I want to, I want to walk from Mexico to Canada. So that was definitely a barrier (laughs) that I had to cross at some point. Um, yeah. And graduating, I had to make sure that like I graduated, um, soon enough to start the trail because there's a limited time frame that you can actually start the trail and like it'd be viable for you to finish by October 1st. Why is that? Um, because uh, they issue permits from March 1st to like May 31st or the end of May, uh, whatever day that is. And the so you have to get a, a long distance permit within that time frame. A long distance permit? Yeah. You know anything about this, Robert? No, I, no, 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 no. What is that about? Yeah, so um, it's basically just a way to preserve the trail because I think the trail is getting so popular, like so many people want to do it. Okay. That they limit the number of people that are walking daily on it. Uh, so that's part of the permit permit system. But yeah, and you also have to finish by usually, typically by October 1st because that's whenever the snow starts coming in in the, in the Cascades. So uh, a lot of the, the window depends on weather as well. Okay. So you're, you know, one of the obstacles is I'm going to have to have a conversation with mom and dad mm-hmm. and they're probably going to be like, wait, you're our son. Like you can't just go out there walking across America or whatever. And so uh, was there any fears in your mind about your own safety? A little bit. Yeah. Or like just sleeping on the ground every night. Any that kind of stuff? <laughs> uh, I would say my biggest fears would, yeah, just probably be safety. Um, just in general, like, I feel like whenever I'm about to go on any kind of big trip, I struggle just with anxiety about, like, what could happen, yeah. um, like, potential dangers, things like that. And then once I go on these trips, I realize, oh, I had nothing to worry about the whole time. I mean, mm-hmm. everything everything was fine. But, yeah, I worried about wildfires, um, which we ended up running into several times on really? the trail. Yeah, uh, I worried about snow in the Sierras uh, and just like, I mean, you're you're on a, a mountainside trying to traverse it um, with limited snow gear. And I mean, one slip and could send you sliding down it. So I worried about that and a little bit about the wildlife, but but not so much. Yeah. Um, typically, typically there are wildlife encounters like mountain lions, bears, stuff like that, but did y'all see any of that stuff? We did, yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, we got stalked by a mountain lion. No. One night, yep. And we had we had a period of about, um, I would say within like 48 hours, I think we saw four or had four or five bear encounters, all within the same. Jeez. And the bears, like on two different occasions, the bears got into our tent while we were outside what? of it. And What kind of bears? Black bears, thankfully. <laughs> Not not grizzlies. Not grizzlies. Yeah. How did you know you were being stopped by a mountain lion? Um, I'll go ahead and tell you about that one. So we were like in, I believe it was Northern California, and we were doing this thing called cowboy camping, which is just where you like set a tarp down, sl- set your sleeping bag down, and sleep without a tent. So we, me and Trevor were doing that, and we were just hanging out. We heard something moving. The sun had already set. So I get our spotlights out, our headlights. You were a little scared at that point, like uh, something's out there. I wasn't too concerned, but once we once we got the headlights out and we started shining it around, uh, my concern definitely jumped up quite a bit because we saw we saw these eyes glowing back at us, like green eyes, nope. 
little cat ears. <laughs> and the thing was, uh, it was it was crouched down real low. And so we do like, hey, this isn't a deer or anything like that. And, and the freakiest part was um, it's staring at us. We're spotlighting it. It's probably like 20 yards away. And it's it just slowly moves its, its head behind a tree, like hiding out of sight. And it end up, ended up just semi-circling our camp for probably about 20 minutes while we yelled at it, trying to scare it off. Did you have a gun? No, we didn't. No gun? <laughs> we didn't have any kind of, of weapons. Bear spray? Anything? Not what even. May, okay, oh. so time out. <laughs> time out. If I'm planning this trip, the first thing I'm doing is thinking, what kind of gun do I, I want to carry? So why did you not have a gun? Okay, um, so I will say it's it's very uncommon for, like, PCT hackers to carry a gun. Um, okay. That's, that's always like the first you look down on like, oh, needed a gun, huh? Yeah, yeah. And there's there's another part of it too. Um, a huge factor for through hikers, um, people that go from one end of a trail to another, is, is called base weight. And that's just the amount of weight that you're carrying. Okay. Uh, people try to get as light as possible because you got to think like every, every single ounce, you're, you're carrying that from Mexico to Canada. So if there's anything that you can eliminate, um, it's going to save you a lot of trouble. Uh, and it's just, you're really focusing on only packing and carrying the essentials. Yeah, I would say a gun's an essential. <laughs> That's what I would have put that on the list. That would have been number one <laughs> in front of food. Yeah. And uh, So I, what did you pack? Okay, yeah. Um, so in my backpack, um, I, I'll go ahead and say, I think everything I had, ex- excluding food and water, was about 11 pounds total. 11 pounds? 11 pounds. To that, go across this trail, 2,600 miles. Yeah. Um, and we included in that 11 pounds was like sleeping bag, tent, the pack itself. Um, we carried like, we carried a camera as well, battery packs, um, phone, phone, definitely. Yeah. A little stove so we could like cook meals, cook ramen, stuff like that. Is that the big thing you're eating? Ramen, probably some peanut butter. Yeah. a lot of peanut butter, a lot of trail mix, and a lot of ramen every single night. Um, for mo- pretty much what you lived off of. Yeah, yeah, and junk food. Like we started, we started both losing some weight within the first month. I think, I think Trevor was like, we were two weeks in, and Trevor had already lost fifteen pounds. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's already a small guy to start out yeah. with. So uh, we really had to make it an effort, like just to eat more calories. So like whenever we're going into the store, like. We're doing the complete opposite of people that are on a diet. Like people on a diet are trying to get like low calorie. Yep. We're getting like as high calories as we can. We're getting olive oil, pouring olive oil like on in tortillas and uh, in our ramen and mixing mashed potatoes in and cheese and just. What's anything. the craziest thing that you ate while you're there? Um, or the thing that you're like I'm most sick of now that I would never want to eat again. Oh yeah, definitely Cliff Bars. That's Robert Long. Doesn't take long to yeah. get tired of that. Yeah. yeah, no cliff bars. Um, yeah, man. So, no weapon at all. No weapon. <laughs> I just can't Bare get hands. my mind around that. The, the closest thing I had to a weapon was a little Swiss Army knife, and I lost that within like the first oh, month. No. So, You're kidding me? I mean, we had, You're completely unarmed. We had trekking poles. I guess that could okay. be a weapon. But did you ever think you were going to die? Um, I would say the one time that I thought. I had the potential to die on that trail was during that mountain lion encounter because it was totally gonna take you down, dude. I, I know, yeah, yeah. Y'all um, were just yelling at it. 
yeah, we were yelling at it. Uh, we started playing music, trying to like just get some kind of noise to scare it off. <laughs> are you what thinking you like? Playing? Are you thinking like, what am I gonna do when it comes at me? Like, are yeah. you playing it out? What are you gonna? What do? would you have done? Poke it in the eye? Um, Punch it in the face? Yeah, I would have just grabbed Trevor, put him in front of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have to outrun the line, the mountain line. Yeah, yeah. you have to outrun Trevor. Run faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Trevor's a fast guy. So, oh, no. <laughs> what were y'all? What music were you playing? Um, just whatever I was listening to. I think it was like Backseat Lovers. Uh, okay, <laughs> just, just some random music that'll scare them off. I mean, yeah. there's probably some sort of study that needs to be done out of this. Like, what kind of music? <laughs> yeah, scares away a mountain lion. Yeah, but yeah, that was a, a really tense situation because I mean, we we kept losing sight of it. Um, we'd lose sight of it for like a minute and then find it again, and it was just semi-circling us. I had to. I went ahead and put the tent up um, just to give us some kind of shelter, but I mean, the tent's not going to do anything if a mountain lion no. starts coming. At what point do us. you say, like, all right, it's cool, let's go to sleep? Yeah, like, when, that's when what I was that? You didn't sleep that <laughs> night, did you? Um, surprisingly, we did. Yeah, Jeez. we just, I mean, we got that, no way. so exhausted every single day that by the end of the day, I mean, we're ready to pass out. How far so. into the trip were you <clears> when that happened? Like, um, let's see, it was Northern California, so we were like, Oh, you're over halfway. Yeah, okay. yeah. Over halfway, um, maybe a month and a half, two months. And how many miles are you trying to go a day? Typically, we over the entire trip, we averaged about 20, but um, a typical day would usually look like 25 miles, give or take. Okay. We did have sections in Oregon where we were, we were doing like 30-mile days, 33-mile days back-to-back um, just because the terrain's a whole lot flatter. Um, and we, we have our trail legs by then. We're, we're in shape and ready, uh, prepared. When you say you had your trail legs, you got those before you left? Or, like, you're saying, like, you kind of got it, like, in the process of Yeah, in the, in the process. That's it, a young guy, man. Because, like, yeah, guys like us, I'm like, no, like, the further you go, the more your body's beat up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but speaking of that, one of, the, one of the things that did happen, we didn't have any injuries, thankfully. Trevor got a little, little bit of tendonitis, but he was able to, to rest it off. But one of the things that happens is your your toes start going numb, just because you're there's so much like impact on your feet um, that you, you just can't feel your toes anymore. And uh, they call them Christmas toes because they say the feeling's gonna come back by Christmas. Uh, oh, wow. But yeah, that was that was an issue. And even once I got off trail, my my feet were still a little numb. I'd say for probably another two or three weeks. Jeez, Christmas toes. That's the name of my new band. <laughs> <laughs> so. You're wow. going, you said 25 miles a day. Um, you're planning to do that for four to five months. How far did y'all actually get? Did y'all, because you weren't able to complete it, right? Because of fires? Correct. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were literally within two weeks uh, of reaching Canada. So we'd been walking for like three and a half months. Um, and we were within two weeks of reaching Canada. And we passed another hiker, and she told us that there was a, a forest fire right at the Canadian border. And so they ended up shutting down like the last maybe like 50 miles of the trail or something Ooh. right right at the the end point the finish line and we still had a ways to go so we kept walking walked for another like week and a half i think and that's so funny like so yeah. you're thinking like in my mind i'm just like 50 miles i'm thinking of a car you know yeah, like, yeah. you're almost there 30 minutes. <laughs> 50 miles so we go another week and a half trying to figure <laughs> out what we're gonna do right right yeah um but we ended up getting, I think we had to call it quits about like 170 miles from the border because the um, the area was still open, but the smoke from the wildfires was just getting too intense. Um, what do you mean? Like you could see it? 
yeah, you could see the smoke. Um, and we, on our last day on trail, we were like, the smoke was getting pretty bad. We were inhaling it. And Are you serious? What in the world, man? Yeah. As soon as I see smoke, I'm running. I'm going, yeah. okay, the end. Yeah. Y'all were just going to go into the fire. What were you thinking? Well. Or did you think like, hopefully by the time we get there, they'll be put out? Yeah. That's what somebody was talking about that maybe like, um, with the, with the fall rain coming in, it would put it out, but, but never happened. Didn't we, happen. Yeah. So we, we pushed through the smoke for like one day and then we were like, not worth it, not worth doing damage to our bodies. Um, so we just, we sat there, um, at this little, this little river trying to think like, what do we need to do next? And I, I pull up my Garmin and I have the fire information on it. I look up like, where are the wildfires on my, my little GPS device? And there's like at least three or four fires within like eight miles of us. Ooh. And so we're like, yeah, we, we got to get out of here. So then what did you do? How did yeah. you get out of it? Did you like go find a road and hitchhike somewhere or what? Yeah, thankfully we were only about 20, 20 miles from a road, I think. So we just uh, backtracked, um, went to the previous town that we were at. And they were actually like shutting down the highway. So it's a, it's a good thing that we got out Goodness. at the time that we got out. Um, because there was like no traffic coming through to send us to the next town. Jeez, that's mm. wild, man. Yeah. What did you feel whenever you found out you wouldn't be able to complete it? Man, um, it was it was really difficult just knowing knowing that physically we would have been able to mm -hmm. complete it. Um, just like with these environmental factors, that's the only thing holding us back. So it was uh, I feel like we, we didn't really get a lot of closure from, from that journey. I mean, we, we walked for three and a half, pretty much four months, um, in an, anticipating this day, every single day, thinking about the finish line, um, thinking about what it's going to be like when we touch that monument at the, mm. at the Canadian border. Um, so yeah, that, it was super tough, but throughout it all, I mean, I just had to remind myself, like, it's not not necessarily about touching the, the northern terminus. It's about, like, every single thing that we got to experience throughout mm -hmm. the entire trip. And we met so many great people. Um, like, I, I feel like I have a lifetime worth of, of memories and stories just mm -hmm. from that journey. So, What's we, some of your favorite memories? Um, Let's see. I remember one night we, we rolled into a town in, I believe it was northern, yeah, northern California, and uh, this is just a little memory, but we were, um, there was a like farmer's market going on in this little town. And um, we, we get there and they're like passing out drinks and free, free things to the hikers. And we just hang out with them. And that night there's a, like a little amphitheater, like stage type thing in the park. And all of us hikers were, were laying in the grass near that amphitheater and then the sprinklers start going off. None mm. of us are intense. We're just laying on the ground. So we all get up, start screaming, mm. uh, run into that amphitheater, and we ended up just sleeping on, on the wooden floor there. Mm. So ju just little things like that. I mean, funny things that happen. That's one of my favorite memories. And I'd say another one, another really cool one, was we met this couple around mile 100. We were staying in a hostel, and they live near Yosemite, um, and they invited us actually to go rock climbing with them mm. once we got to Yosemite and we were like, yeah, sure. We'll do it. Um, I'd, me and Trevor never done anything like that before. Uh, but we also couldn't like imagine 600 miles farther than where we were. Like it seemed like forever in the future, 
But once we actually got to you to Yosemite, uh, we contacted them. They let us stay with us and uh, stay with them in their house. And they took us rock climbing. So oh, we climbed cool, uh, like 600, 600 foot rock pile in, in Yosemite. Wow. That's cool. I, it, <clears throat> I think there's so many lessons like to, um, you know, you're just saying how you, you plan so hard to get to this destination, but then you were prevented by it. Um, because there's just so many things outside of our control, right? It's like right. we can work so hard to prepare for it. I think like the importance of trying to enjoy the journey and not just the destination, like mm-hmm. it's something even that might hear you talk about. Cause it's like, that's just life, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of things we plan for whatever it may be, whether it's around marriage or kids or school or work or our health or whatever. And you can plan and you should plan, but then like, no, like there's a lot of things outside of your control that, right. Yeah, it could totally throw you off and send you back or whatever. And so um, I, I'm curious if you were to look back besides even, you know, as you think about that, just anything about your trip, like what do you think are some some lessons you will take away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think like you mentioned, just realizing that it's not always about the destination. Like the, the finish line is not always guaranteed. Um, so just like appreciating each day and um, – just the experience that that lead up to to that finish, whether it's the planned finish or some other kind of finish. Um, <clears throat> I would also say one of the things I learned is just to, um, I guess, just to try things like do mm. things that you're that you're uncertain of mm. that don't have um, a guaranteed outcome. Like I had no idea whether I would last a week, a month, if I would get injured if something would come up at home and I need to come home. I had no clue how any of this was going to turn out. And Mm. I really didn't have any experience doing anything like this, but, but really just taking it one step at a time, um, going for it and seeing how it turned out. Like Mm. it was incredible. And and I never would have thought that I'd be able to do something like this. Um, but just trying it and, and embracing the uncertainty uh, is, a, is a huge takeaway that I got from doing this trail. Yeah. So you plan like crazy, but there's a point where you have to embrace uncertainty. Right. You have to release control and be like, yeah, okay, I can't know exactly how this is going to turn out. And apparently, like, you have to push aside the fear of failure because I think, like, that's yeah. that would be a big one for me and a lot of people is, like, well, there's no way I'll be able to do this. You know, like, I'll, what, and then, like, that fear of, like, failure but I love how you mentioned earlier even a lot of these things that we're so afraid of never even happen right and that's so true man like sometimes like we're our own worst enemy and the things that we worry about like oh well if I did this and this thing and it's like and it keeps you from the anxiety right that keeps mm-hmm. you from experiencing life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways to the fullest and I love how you had some fears but you pushed through those yeah and I would say like the things that I was worried about um most of them didn't even end up being an issue and uh they ended up being like my favorite parts of the trail. Oh, like I was cool. worried about the Sierra Nevadas. Like, are we going to get a lot of snow? Are we going to have to be walking on like snowy mountainsides? And we get there, there's hardly any snow. And whenever there is snow, like I'm looking forward to it. That was fun walking, hmm. walking through that. Um, it really wasn't that dangerous. Uh, so I'd built up these things in my mind. And another thing was like river crossings. I know those can, can be a, a pretty dangerous part of the trail, mm-hmm. but um, whenever we get to the rivers, I mean, it wasn't an issue that they weren't flowing super strong. Um, it was, it was fun having these challenges and walking through them. And, uh, like n- very few of the things that I feared actually ended up, um, coming about. 
I would also think too, like you probably have a deeper understanding of just how little you can survive off of now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would just think is a lot of times as Americans, especially middle class or middle class, like you're just like, there's so many things where like, I have to have this. Mm-hmm. And then you go do this trip and it's like, actually, you just need 11 pounds to get you mm. 2,653 miles. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's a, another takeaway that I would say, like, you don't, you don't need more to, to be satisfied um, or even to do, um, I don't know, do things that you want. I mean, there's, there's typically... Oh, I don't know really how to frame it, but um, you can do things without like having to buy all this fancy gear, all these, all this expensive stuff. I mean, just everyday, everyday objects you can use and things like that. Was it hard to come back to Paragold after like an adrenaline kind of dump like that? As I'd feel like it is, or like did you have just a deeper sense of gratitude for the things here? Like, yeah, on the trail, I mean, I kept thinking about, like, what are my friends doing in Paragould? Like, I miss I miss hanging out with my friends and my family and, and playing soccer and playing my guitar and doing all the all the little things that I do here. And once I, once I got in the car with my parents after they picked me up from the airport and we started driving back through Paragould, I mean, it just, it all felt surreal. Like, like, it's almost, it, it was like, I can't believe I even went on this journey. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back in Paragould. I'm back, back where I grew up. And it definitely took a lot of adjusting. Um, some things were easier, like adjusting to sleeping in a comfortable bed mm-hmm. again. <laughs> that was uh, that was something that I was definitely happy about. Um, getting to take showers every day, mm-hmm. that, was, that was another good thing. But, like, I get home, um, my dog doesn't recognize me. Oh, wow. um, there's... I have to start thinking about like my job, um, what I'm going to start doing. It's like all these, all these little things, these little stresses that I didn't deal with on the trail started building up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure it felt like time went a little bit slower maybe on the trail. Yeah. It was weird. It's like, it's like a day on trail felt like forever. It was so long, but then the days also flew by like a week goes by and it doesn't feel like a Mm. week. So I really don't know how to describe it, but it's like time was moving slow in in a day and fast like the days put together. Yeah. Like which is a really days really are odd long thing and the say. weeks are short. Yeah, mm. exactly. I heard that. So I know you, we, we talked about how you physically prepared for this and what you had to pack. I'm curious from a mental standpoint, how did you prepare? Yeah, so um, a lot of people say that the mental aspect of the hike is um, it's like. 90% of it, the physical is only 10%. Mm. And I would have to agree with that. I mean, you definitely have to be mentally strong to to do something like this. Um, yeah, for the mental aspects, I just really focused on getting out of my comfort zone, making myself uncomfortable for like the months leading up to it. In and, what ways? Uh, so like, it would be cold outside. I would get in my truck, wouldn't turn the air conditioner on, ah. um, wouldn't turn the heat on. I would... Uh, turn the radio off, leave it silent. So I'm just there with my thoughts. Um, in the mornings, whenever I take a shower, uh, I would always finish it off with like a minute or two of just freezing cold water. Um, just little things like that to, to mentally prepare. And uh, just to throw in something physically, like I would put weights in my in my school backpack that I would carry to work mm. and, um, and, and carry to my college classes. So just any, any ways that I was able to uh, get a little um, mental edge or physical edge. Um, I made it an effort to do that. 
But uh, yeah, a lot of it was was basically just preparing for for discomfort and some of the challenges that we would face. I would say. Yeah, you, you talked about the mountain lion. Trevor had a uh, there was didn't he have a near death experience or he did? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you about that one. So. So we were in the Sierra Nevadas, um, in the mountains. We just got to this absolutely beautiful lake, and uh, we're just chilling, eating lunch, and Trevor's like, that looks like a pretty good cliff jumping spot over there. And so I agreed with him, um, and we kind of skirted around around the outside of the lake over to this cliff jumping spot that we saw. And uh, I'll throw this out there. Trevor's just like a crazy guy. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's an adrenaline junkie. He's, he's not afraid of anything. He's fearless. Um, and, and cliff jumping is one of the things that he likes to do. So, so we, we get our stuff, um, get our, set our stuff down. We start like climbing up this hillside to get to the top of the cliff. Um, I don't really know how high it was, but our biggest concern was like, we're, I really hope we don't jump in and break our legs. <laughs> that would really, uh, that would really run the trip. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, yeah. I'd make it a whole lot that more difficult. That and Indians, if you came oh, across Indians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch yeah. out. It's getting scalped. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we, we, uh, we get our stuff set. We get up there and we're just thinking like, is it deep enough? Is it deep enough? Trevor chunks a rock and it looks like it's pretty deep, but I mean, we can't tell. And so, as with anything, I have Trevor go first. He is, he's always the one to test it out. It's good to have one of those friends. Yeah, he's, he's least likely to die in a situation like this. And so all we're concerned about is the depth. And um, Trevor, I say, okay, go for it, Trevor. And he jumps in fearlessly. And as soon as he hits the water, um, I start yelling. I'm like, how, how is it? How is it? And I'm calling him Prairie. That's his trail name. Um, like Prairie? A, yeah. Uh, I, I can tell you about that in a minute, but I was like, I'm saying, how is it Prairie? How is it? And he's not saying anything. He's swimming as fast as he can, um, to get to the shore. And what we didn't consider was how cold this water was because it's, uh, the, the whole lake was fueled by like melting snow, like melting glaciers. And, um, it is freezing water. He's in there for, um, probably like 20 seconds swimming, swimming to the shore. His body starts shutting down. Like, uh, his breaths become shallow. Like it's hard for him to breathe. It's hard for him to move his Jeez. arms and his legs. Uh, I could tell that halfway from getting um, to where he jumped in at to the shore, like he's struggling. He flips over on his back just to like get a little break. But the thing we didn't think about was how far it was like from where he was jumping in to get back to the shore. Yeah. And with the cold water, like shutting his body down, he said that um, if it would have been like, 15 more yards that he would have had to swim that he feels like he, he would have drowned, Jeez. honestly. Wow. That's super scary. It was wow. very scary. And I was up there. I had nothing nothing that I could do to help him out. I, I could jump in, but that would put both of us in danger. Exactly. Um, and it would have taken at least a, a good, like, 10 minutes to get back down to the ground to, to help him out. So <laughs> <laughs> That's Man. wild. Prairie. Yeah, prairie dog. Okay, so um, – yeah, so he got – everybody on the trail has trail names that other people give them. They're like nicknames um, based on something something funny, some characteristics about you, anything like that. And so uh, Trevor, we, we had got three days into the trail, and he still hasn't used the bathroom out in the woods. <laughs> he hasn't dug what they call a cat hole He's yet. waiting for the town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> waiting for a toilet. Yeah. I can, I can hold it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was uh, – 
essentially doing that, waiting for, for every town to, to use the bathroom. And they're, they're quite spaced out. You don't run into a town every day. So I'm like, Trevor, if you make it to mile 100, I'll call you Prairie Dog because you've been Prairie Dogging for days now. <laughs> and so uh, I think it was the day before we reached mile 100, he was like, man, I'm not even going to try to eat, eat dinner or supper or anything. It's just going to make me use the bathroom. And I, I got to earn this trail name. No wonder he's losing weight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he made it 100 miles, so he was, he was Prairie Dog for the rest of the trip. Way wow. to go. What was your nickname? Uh, Brightside. Brightside. Oh. Yeah. The um, optimist. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they said uh, that I never complained some of the people I was hiking with, and obviously they haven't hiked just with me and Trevor because I complain all the time. But uh, they said I was a pretty optimistic person, and so I went along with it. But the funny thing was nobody could understand me whenever I would tell my trail name, whenever I would say Brightside. They'd think I'm saying, like, Brightside, like Bratwurst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because of the southern accent, I guess. Brightside. <laughs> yeah. More like Brightside. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, that that was pretty funny as well. Everybody thought that I was Australian. I guess oh. they'd never met anybody from Arkansas. And then they heard you talk, and they still thought you were Australian? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, and, like, I told one dude, I'm, <laughs> I told one guy I'm from the south, and he's like, oh, southern hemisphere? <laughs> No, unbelievable. No, no. Yeah, deep yeah. south. You're, uh, yeah, really uh, peculiar to them. Yeah, <laughs> hey, broadside from the south. Hey, exactly. broadside. Uh, did you said you took a lot of video while you're there? Yep. Yeah. So, like, did, uh, where did you post those? Like, how can I watch them? I want to see them. Yeah, sure. Um, basically, if you go on YouTube and you just type in my name, Alexander Lafoon, L A F F O O N, my Pacific Crest Trail videos will come up. So far, I have about. I believe I have four episodes posted on YouTube working on a fifth and um, the first one, just like a preparation video explaining what we were about to attempt, um, kind of what we're bringing with us. Uh, we have a little bit of fun in there too. So good to check out. And then the rest of the videos, I'm just kind of working my, my way through the trip. So we're starting with like Southern California, going through the Sierra Nevadas, Northern California, and then working on um, Northern California, Northern California, Oregon, and Washington. So it should be like an eight-part episode series. Each Very episode's cool. like 10, 10 minutes long. But uh, that's one of the things I absolutely love doing is capturing these experiences and um, making a story out of them. I mm. love telling stories, and the the medium that I use to do that is through video. So if anybody's interested, I would encourage them to check it out. It's fantastic, man. We are a story-formed people. Yeah, we are. Mm -hmm. So stories are very important. They shape us in many ways. Um, and I've watched uh, the first episode. Very well done. So, Thank you. So, yeah, those listening to this, be sure and go check it out. Well, there's a lot more we could talk about. I'd love to end, though, uh, with some rapid-fire questions. So sure. if you're ready, we'll go with the first one. Let's go for it. All right. Uh, what is either the last show or movie you watched or the last book you read? Oh, I would say I've been I've been rewatching Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, classic. Um, what is your favorite band? Favorite band? Um, I like a small band named Will Dorado. Will I, Dorado. I listen to them. What genre is that? It sounds like folky. A little bit, yeah. It's uh, alternative, but I mean that doesn't mean much. Um, I saw them at Memphis in May, like quite a few years ago, and they were just like a, a super good band. How do you Very spell small. that? Uh, W-I-L-D-E-R-A-D-O. Hang on, I'm, I'm putting it in my Spotify. W-I what? 
W I L D E R A D O. It's a very good band. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I love finding new bands. Yeah. If you like these guys, I'm trying to see if I like any of the other stuff that's connected with them. Uh, bird talker. I've heard of bird talker. <laughs> Hound mouth. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, what is your favorite meal? Favorite meal. My mom makes this uh, salmon, and she puts, like, avocado, pineapple, like, honey mustard sauce on it. I definitely have to go with that. Man, we should have had her make that for the podcast. <laughs> we could have done this in Absolutely. y'all's kitchen. I know. <laughs> uh, what is on your nightstand right now? Um, Yeah, I think, what do I have? A fan, uh, a little nook reader, um, things like that. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. I would say I really enjoy just riding my bike. Um, I like riding my bike down to the gym uh, downtown. Um, yeah, I would say just whenever I'm on my bike, I can let my, my mind run. And um, I don't know, just be in the moment and enjoy it. Yeah, excellent. Last question. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Um, I would say uh, I'm deeply grateful for my parents, for sure, and just my family in general, because uh, like going back to what we were, we were talking about, um, they had to make a lot of sacrifices for me to do this trip also. I mean, um, they're used to having me around every day, and suddenly we're going four to five months without seeing each other and limited communication. So I'm just really appreciative of them of their um support in this whole journey as tough as it was for them um and just everything that they do for me awesome well i know your parents are very proud of you and paragold's proud of you man we really are and <laughs> so you. uh what you have done is is incredible i know you didn't get a chance to to finish uh which was of no fault to your own um but man what you did really is amazing in many ways and so well done and man Hope we can do this again. Best of luck to you in the uh, the future of the journey, man. I'm excited to see kind of, yeah, how your life continues to turn out. So I know it's nothing but great things. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really, really appreciate uh, you taking your time and getting to talk with you about it. I love sharing. So. Uh, hey, for those of you that are still listening, we really want to thank you for tuning in. If you've not already done so, please check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Also, if you would, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating there. That just helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the really amazing people that are living right here in our city. As always, we appreciate the listen. Until next time.